Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. Today's topic is nothing new under the sun. A 15-year-old named Andrew recently contacted Marty about training. Marty, being the crown jewel of the Catoctin Mountains, obliged the kid and agreed to help him with a 12-week program. One of the interesting observations we're going to talk about today is that while there are some differences in the training, for the most part, Andrew is using the same training strategy today that Marty himself was using as a teenager back in 1946, 64. Sorry. Uh, Marty, the world is filled with overcomplication. So, yeah, it was it was a mistake. Right Sorry, that wasn't on purpose. Yeah, right at, right I after I, right after I won the Second World War. That's right. <laughs> after it was over. So the world is filled with overcomplication, but the same uh, techniques and tactics you used almost sixty years ago are irrefutable. Whether they're used on world champion athletes, tier one spec ops guys, regular folks, or teenagers like Andrew, I guess if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Amazing. Well, so let's talk about it. I don't know. I mean, it's just what Jim calls an effect, right? I mean, we've known that uh, we've known that this stuff has worked for forever. Um, I, I think that the main thing with with Andrew's situation was when he contacted me, and it was a, I didn't have any idea how old he was. It was very well thought out, well written communique, and, yeah. and he wanted a good detail, and he explained how he'd been kind of bumping his head against the wall, trying to figure out, uh, I, I used the image, he was trying to find the golden needle in the giant haystack of fitness. Right, yep. And it's tough, man. It's like uh, everybody out there's uh, drinking from an informational fire hose. It's confusing, yeah. And it's, today it's the curse of too much information. And my day, my day was sparse information, but looking back at it, the information was excellent. Mm -hmm. And the hunger to learn had to be greater than it is now because you had to start. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know that that's really true. I think that they're motivated, like this kid. This kid's as motivated as anybody I've encountered. It's just finding the right uh, system and the right, yeah. you know, techniques and the right mentor and having the right situation and a lot of things that have to fall together. Right. So, Jim, um, you know, your situation is a lot closer to home. You know, why don't you tell us about what you're doing? Yeah, so I train my two kids. Uh, James, James is 15 and Max is nine. He'll be, yeah, he won't be 10 until January. So um, I encourage them to do all the different sports. They all they play all the sports, you know, uh, James is basketball, Max is soccer and baseball, James is football, all that, because I just want to develop their athleticism. But they, one, they wanted to start lifting. Now, you got to understand, they both grew up going to work with me when I was at Penn. So they, you know, they'd pick up a kettlebell, they'd pick up a dumbbell, and they, I guess, saw that the, you know, the football players and all those guys would be, all right, you know, a little steel, getting after it and stuff like that. So they grew up in a real positive atmosphere about the weightlifting. And, uh, you know, they just started training. Now, Max started training when he was like seven. But I was just wow. real careful with him as far as um, weight. And he's just, he just wants to do, you know, seven days a week. Let's deadlift seven days a week. He loves a deadlift. 
So it's like, I'm like, I love that you love the deadlift, but we're just going to do it once a week. You know, usually, usually it's curls. Yeah. So they're not really, well, now James is in the puberty uh, thing. So he likes curls, but uh, Max just likes to deadlift and leave, which I freaking love, man. But you know, you, you just, it, with my kids, they're so motivated that I have to temper that, you know, um, which is, a good problem to have that's what we want the, yeah yeah but they do the basic stuff we don't do any major lifts with high reps it's just i'd rather do more sets learning the technique over and over if max is doing his deadlifts like the other day you know i had to stop him reset his back remember this these coaching points right um you know you're you're rolling your shoulders forward so hence your upper back's gonna round now your low back's gonna round so let's get set up again okay dad because they don't have the retention that you know, older folks do. Um, with, with James being 15 now, he, he goes for it. Like, uh, you know, he's 170 pounds. He pulled 365 for five the other day. He lifts three or four days a week. Um, squat, deadlift, bench, dumbbell bench, overhead press. Yeah. And then he does the assistant stuff. He goes to the gym with me. And, you know, I just leave him by himself now. He knows what he's doing. So, uh, you know, but I think important with the training kids is depending how young they are, but you just have to work into it slowly. I'm real wary of anybody like under 14 or 13 or 14, putting any weight on their back, you know? Um, but you know, once they get into high school, high school and, and middle, I started training really hard in eighth grade. So yeah, that's about when I started too. Yeah. Now how, how soon did you have your boys uh, deadlifting and squatting? Right away. I just, what I did though, Max started right. off. What there. age though? <laughs> Max was like seven. James was like nine or ten. So they were doing those actual lifts at, at that young. Okay. Uh, Max started off with the goblets. And once I had confidence that he could put a bar on his back, he started to. Okay. Now I'm real. You know what? What's funny is that I don't push the squats on him very much. Um, besides the fact he likes deadlifts so much. The deadlift seems a lot safer to me in, in younger kids. You know, as long as you can set their backs, mm -hmm. um, you know, then you're it's a it's a really safe and, and enjoyable exercise for those kids picking stuff up off the ground you know yeah um and there's nothing wrong with ingraining that technique from a very early age you're not you're not overloading them you're not hurting them you're teaching them technique that they they're going to perfect and use as they get older yeah. when they start stacking the weight on well on the one hand on the other hand it's tough to keep them motivated with sissy poundage Right, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Max well, I'm just saying. I mean, it's boring. I mean, you know, like, this is boring. Yeah. So I stayed. So he pulled 205 max. He's nine and he's 100 pounds. And he pulled 205 in a deadlift. And, you know, then I'm like, okay, now we're just going to do 155 next week. You know, you're just going to work at 155 for a little while. Because if it was him, if it was up to him, he'd go in there and try 225 tomorrow. Right. So, so Jim, he did the 205 for five reps? Or no, he single? did. Two or five for a single, but it, Man, you know, a, for nine. That's, that's a good single. Boy, that's not sissy weights for a nine-year-old, is it? No, no, no. <laughs> that's why I was laughing. Yeah. <laughs> you'd, ha you'd have to pull 580 to equal that shape, hey? <laughs> yeah, <he does laughs> Probably, like, man. Like, no, I mean, double body weight. The kid, yeah. did, the kid yeah. did a double body weight squat. What's double yes. body weight for Seven. you? 580. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. I'm not, I'm not doing that. That kid is stronger than I am right now. Absolutely. So he'll do. Ah. Maybe I get his autograph next time I see him. Yes. He basically does. Uh, 
one or two upper body workouts and one or two lower body workouts. I try to, you know, I try to just get three days at the most in there with him. Um, so, so now, so he's nine years old. He's pulling 205 on the deadlift. That's damn good. There's no, so there's probably no weight limit that you'll, that is going to be too much as long as his form is pristine yeah, and in you're watching him and making sure he's doing everything right and all that. Right. So, you know, yes. potentially he, he, he could go up another, I don't know, 50 pounds. Yeah. And then at, after at that, nine. he does some one arm rows and curls and then he's out of there. You know, he's like, yeah, a couple sets of, okay. he does like the fifties for like eight reps on the one arm rows. He's just, he's just pretty strong for his age, you know? Yeah. So, um, do these kids want to compete or anything? Well, the more football, that, more in the sports, yeah. more in sports, yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, you can see how it helps them in baseball. You know, right, right. See, the thing about the lifting and athletics is, if you're doing it and somebody and the, the other kids aren't, you can tell right away. Yeah. You know, and you can tell right away if that ball is coming off the bat harder. You know, yeah. or, or when or when or when you run over somebody and you trample them. Yeah, and then you you, you know what they you know what. James got in a car the other day and he goes, how come these, how come some kids, they, they don't lift or they really don't lift really hard and then they get their butts kicked and, and it doesn't bother them? <laughs> I said, either they don't know. And the answer is yes. The answer is or, yes. Or, you know, there's some people like that, I guess. But I, mean, that, I know to us, not lifting seems foreign. It's like, how could you not do that? How could you not lift? It doesn't make any sense. Don't you yeah. want to be strong? Don't you want to look better? Don't you want to feel better? Yeah, well, my... My uh, guy's situation is different. He, um, I'm looking to him as a blank canvas, right, to see what kind of gains we can elicit. He had uh, Andrew had excellent flexibility. So, uh, have you guys seen his little videos? I, no, I, I have, and actually, I read the, the article. I didn't see the video. The video, the uh, article is up. Nothing new under the sun. And I put his video on there. Check out the form this kid has on his squat, deadlift, and, and uh, he's doing bench too. Oh, I read the bench, bench and overhead bench and overhead press. You know why? I overhead press. You know why he has fantastic form? Well, because Marty Gallagher, a gem of the Catawba Mountains, is involved. Yeah, pretty right. much. Uh, <laughs> Marty, how many days a week? I mean, one, uh, one, one, well, you mean total? He's here. Here's the way I look at it. He's spending a total of 70 minutes a week. Okay. How he divides it, I don't care. You want to do a lift a day and spread it out over four days. Plus, we do arms. I have him do. He, all he has, this is the other great thing. All he has is a barbell. He has a barbell, a bench, and the ability to do bench press and squat. That's it. No dumbbells, no nothing else. So, oh, he doesn't have a rack, does he? Yes, he. Yeah, he's got a he's got a he, little, little power rack. He can do squats. He uses okay. the power, power rack to do benches, but that's it, right? So, it's a purity in it that he's only got this this barbell. So it's like, all right, we're limited. So I have him do uh, back squat, front squat. Okay. <clears throat> right now, right now. Um, he was, he turned out to be such a good front squatter. I said, you know what? And we had the back squat in second position. So he would work up to a, a top set uh, in the back squat. And then I don't know, drop for him, maybe 30 pounds and rep out in the front squat. Yeah. 
And he's so good at the front squat. I said, you know what? We're going to do this. Let's put the back squat. And he had a great run with both lifts. Uh, and I said, let's just put the back squat on the shelf for a while. And let's put the front squat in the first position. Let's see how far we can run with this. Yeah. Right. Then that's what we're going to do right now. It's just a front squat, front squat, front squat. When we will, we'll hit a peak and then it's like, great, let's go back to the back squat. Maybe yeah, now I'll, maybe, maybe now I'll show you, maybe now I'll show you the low bar back squat because you yeah. haven't seen that yet. Right. Now, is he holding the front squat in a rack position or with Yeah. Oh, yeah. no back problem. Back. No problem. Yeah, he, looks looks like, good. He, he looks like Yurik Bardanian. I mean, he's <laughs> fantastic, man. It's just so easy. You know, it's it, it, perfectly upright, but nice no vertical bad, shit. Marty, yeah. Marty. No bad habits, Marty. He has no, no bad, bad habits. habits. Exactly. He's a blank canvas. And he was eager. Uh, and he's also intelligent. And so I can get feedback from him. We, uh, for example, we opened his stance width a little bit in the sumo. I, I took him out an inch on each side and he got some pretty good inner, uh, you know, uh, kind of inner groin soreness. And I said, I put back the way it was, you know, you, you know that, that's a little too wide. We wanted to find out you know, you, you can sumo deadlift like uh, Ian Bell, where your feet are uh, spread plate to plate, or you can do sort of that gorilla stance like Ed Cohn, where you're kind of crouched in that linebacker stance, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. So we had been playing with that because he's never done any of this before. So we're it's like, also, I started on Sumo. He has not done any conventional yet because uh, I want to I want to ingrain that that technique that that the idea that the sumo is a reverse squat yeah and marty do you do you usually start any of your guys on sumo i haven't heard this yeah. before. oh no no always sumo really because it's the easiest it's it's the one that most closely resembles the squat so then you develop both the it's so easy for people to learn to upright deadlift using the sumo as okay. opposed to the conventional are they stronger no i don't care about that yeah. I want the position. I want the uprightness. I want to, to, to double enforce that power groove that we're creating in the squat and we're reemphasizing the Masumo deadlift. I learned that from Cohn. You look at Ed Cohn at his peak and he, he, he was drinking from the same well in both the squat and the deadlift. Mm. Right. Yeah. He harnessed his 960 pound 220 body weight squat power and he didn't I, I i never felt like we got that with kirk i felt like the biggest coaching mistake in my life was not harnessing kirk's leg power in the deadlift he was good it was kind of sort of but his damn legs were so big he really couldn't get into a tight conventional stance and I should have opened them up to some sort of a sumo, like Ed, some sort of a power sumo. Yeah, like a hybrid, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, you can't go back in time. Uh, I think if I had done that, the Kirk would have been a 900 pulse. He said something, though, about because I think we asked him why he didn't do uh, sumo, and he said he would have got his ass beat or something for doing well, Yeah, we didn't do that. But sumo. No one, no one did sumo in our neighborhood. No, right. one, in no one in Washington, D.C. did sumo. It was considered a feat. It was considered right. trickery. It was considered, that's what Europeans do. That's what fin, Finnish powerlifters do. Right. 
So, so there was a little of that going on. I guess it was uh, a, a lift, lift bigotry. Right. <laughs> yeah. Image and all that. Well, it's like, too bad he never tried it. Well, uh, if he was on, he would disagree. Just like, well, yeah, but I wish I would have grabbed him when he was like, you know, 18. Do you think that would have helped with his grip at all? Because he, he had a grip problem because he had the small hands. So it's, I don't know. The, the grip, the only thing in the grip is how quick you pull the deadlift. It doesn't matter whether it's conventional or sumo. It's how quick. And you guys had to really work on his speed and yeah. get it up there. Otherwise, he yeah. would lose it. Yeah, but that was playing right into his wheelhouse. Right. So will will you switch Andrew over to conventional or? Will oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I suspect he's going to be a, a great conventional deadlifter. Well, you but, know, the, the great yeah. thing about doing those front squats like that is that when he goes to clean, he won't be weak. So he's deadlifting, which will help us clean. And then that front squat is such a key. Oh, Jim, and he is ass on heels. Oh, my God. You ought to see you the gotta, depth. You got to go get it when the weight gets heavy. Plus, the, the hardest thing for guys to learn is keeping their elbows up coming out of the bottom of a front yeah. squat, right? right? But if he's going heavy front squat and keeping his elbows up and driving, when he gets to be to the clean, it'll be like nothing. That's a good <laughs> idea. And, you know, Phil Wagner – makes the guys he trains get to a certain level, strength level, I'm not sure what it is, um, and before they're even allowed to clean. He's like, it's a freaking waste of time. They can't hold mm -hmm. a rack and their legs are weak. So get all that stuff strong before you worry about the clean. Yeah. Well, except for the technical. The yeah, no technical but he's the got you. He's got you and you can teach him in a day and then just, just reinforce it. Oh, oh, oh yeah. With yeah. Andrew, but yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah following yeah. you now. Um, so that the main thing I look at is, is what is the total training time per week? Yeah. And also I'm training a very sophisticated older trainer. Um, we're using the same system. He, he also has only a barbell and he's, I think in a, uh, apartment or a basement and same strategy, squat, bench, dead, overhead press. Uh, he's only got a barbell, so we, the only thing we can do is curls. But we do curls leaning up against the post. We do uh, Rick Wayne curls where you sit down. We do spider curls. We do all kinds of curls using the straight bar. And he has to do either nose breakers or close grip tricep uh, presses, got close grip bench presses for triceps. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it's sort of uh, deja vu back to the future for me because that's the situation I was in when, when I was coming up. I had a barbell. Uh, we had, later on, we figured out how to make the jerry rig a dip rack, which was helpful. You know, dips really, really were a key part of our strength training. But other than that, that's all we had. Yeah. That's the machine. how I was too. Yeah. The machine, it was like, wow. What is that thing called? Oh, that's called yeah. lap pull down. And, and when you have the dumbbells, you know, we always had those ones where you have the little uh, screw. And, uh, star locked, yeah. You'd be uh, benching and they'd, they'd freaking fall on uh, you. So it's just so much easier just to say, okay, we're going to do, you know, the classic workout when you first started off was bench and incline, yep. right? Yep. Squat, deadlift, overhead press, or mm -hmm. seat behind the neck. Mm-hmm. You did some curls and you did some uh, uh, tricep extensions or close grips. Still, still a classic. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's just, you know, yeah, those dumbbells, they used to piss me off so much, man. <laughs> mind. But we love, well, them. The, we love dumbbells. We were, we, when, yeah. we find, when we finally got them that were yeah. fixed and, and we, they were available, I mean, it just shot your progress through the roof because all of a sudden each limb was forced to do its fair share of the work, right? Right. Jim, the uh, strength it out that we straightened out those strength and balances. Yeah. Jim, the biggest part of uh, the biggest problem with Starlock was not um, the weights falling off, because if you could get a good cinch on it and get it tightened down, you're OK. But the problem was if you dropped the end of the dumbbell like on your leg or set it down on your leg, you murdered your leg or whatever it was making contact with. So we actually had, JP, the ones where you had to have pliers and screw them on. Oh, you're talking. Oh, yeah. The, and they were cast you, iron and they had you, a bolt that yeah. went through. Yeah, had a special little wrench. Yes, yeah. exactly. And then, and then we went to the one with the little collar with the little handle sticking out that you could tighten. That was better. Um, but I never had the Starlock ones you were talking about. Now I got the Olympic dumbbells here where I put Olympic plates on. My fortunately, I have like twelve twenty-fives. Yeah, so get those on there. Um, but I use the old Marty, the ones the old powerlifting collars, you know, the York ones you spin and then you lock. Yeah, I love those. Yeah, I mean, they're never coming off. You know? Right, yeah. yeah. And, the, and, and they're, they're also like two and a half pounds each. Five pounds. Five, five pounds each. Are they five pounds? Yeah, Absolutely. Five pounds. So anytime you put a 45-pound bar with a pair of hundreds on it, a pair of collars, 255. Yeah. So everything's based on 255, 255, 455, 545, 635. You know what I mean? Everything's yeah. based on that. Uh, the old yeah. yeah now they have those springy collars i hate those things man I hate those things I know, I know, I know, I know i remember i remember when i was living on the farm in in thermont so i uh i saved up some money i went and got a starlock six foot chrome bar man i was in heaven it was like christmas and it was uh i used that for all my billard barbell plates Is that the one you spin on yeah you spin it on you it's the the collar is threaded Okay. Internally threaded and it was horrible. And the end of the bar was uh threaded. That's that was I actually insane. it was kind of a pain, but I liked it because it, no, it was a total secure. pain. It was, yeah, rare, yeah. Okay. One big ass yeah. dumbbell. Well, if you loaded up uh, if you loaded the bar to the end like I did with plates, you only had to spin it just just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it was quick. Well, that's, I a, didn't tool. Have enough that, that's, a, that's a tool that mercifully died. So where were we? Talking about kids and working out. Kids, kids. <laughs> oh, oh, well, 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 JP. What? Come on, talk to us. Uh, about my daughter? Yeah, it's a kid. Okay. Um, Wait, how did it start? Actually, she's a, Once you get started, how did it happen? What happened? How do you? Get well, she was around me. She went to trade shows with me and was was involved with stuff that I did with the business and developing products. And so she was kind of raised uh, in the fitness industry. So she, both my girls, are really passionate about fitness, um, like I was when I came up. So I'm I'm real proud to to have them interested and passionate about fitness. And uh, my oldest, Carrie, she's 24. She became a uh, NASM certified personal trainer. When did she so start? She, she started, uh, she, she got her certification at 19. She started um, a few years before that, but she was always athletic, you know, cheer, soccer, all that stuff. And then 
became interested in the gym and lifting weights and all that, you know, I think probably at like 17 or something. Yeah. So now I got her training. So she's been certified through um, kettlebell training through uh, Phil Scarito of Deviate Fitness. And she's currently training with Brad Gillingham and has been for the past few months. And they do um, virtual training. And man, he's teaching her all the uh, the powerlifting lifts, you know, the overhead press, the the uh, the deadlift, the squat, the bench he's press. Doing 500 pound rack deadlifts. And- <laughs> you know, that. it's it's so funny to watch these two are so good together. And you know, Brad's got uh, extensive experience with tra- training uh, great coach. girls. He's, he's got he a great coach or what? He's a great coach. He's awesome. No, he's awesome. He's very motivating. He understands girls. He's got two daughters too, just like me. And he teaches, um, I think it's the girls volleyball teams there uh, locally. So he's real good with kids, real good with girls. Um, But he's got her going up on lifts. I wanted to start her out right. And, you know, one of the funny things that he said that, uh, that, that you guys have noticed too, you know, these, these kids go out and get these certifications, NASM and all that. And Brad goes, yeah, they're certified this and that, but they don't know how to perform a proper squat or a deadlift. They have no idea. And I said, look, I want her to learn from the best. Shocking, shocking, isn't it? Shocking. Yeah. So she is so dialed in on her technique. And the greatest thing is now she's transferring the same knowledge and techniques and tactics to her clients. You know, they're learning all the, the Brad Gillingham stuff, deadlift and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, she's doing well with that. So she's not so much of a kid anymore, but. Um, she started out as a kid. Yeah, started out as a kid. Yeah. And, and both you guys are very lucky because you got motivated kids. Nobody had to be a stage mom. Right. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm really proud of my girls. They're very motivated in fitness. They're very organized and all that. So yeah. forced, forced fitness doesn't work. No, it doesn't. And, and uh, you know what? For fitness, you got to have that passion for yeah, it. It's, right. it's, so, it's different. So, it's it's so just let's, different. Let's, than other let's, stuff let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Because this is key. And oh, my God. I wonder how many people I've coached in my lifetime, Jim. You know? Thousands. <laughs> I just think back, you know, and it motivation, and this has become more important to me as, as, um, as um, you know, to turn 39 in April. So these are, right. I'm starting to think in terms of legacy. <laughs> and uh, one thing, motivation springs from results. You have to get them results. Now, let's define results. What can results be? You can have results in one of two things, either physique or performance. Yeah. Okay. Let's be clear. Let's take our time because this is important. So it really doesn't matter the age of the client. When they start a program, whether it's your program or someone else's program, internally, there's there's an internal clock that starts ticking. And at some point, the cost-benefit ratio has to sway in terms of results. In other words, if you spend, and and 
the classic example is all the New Year's resolution makers, right? You got a lot of sincere people. Right. Take time. They they research. They find what they think is an effective training program and an effective diet. And they go, well, this year, January first, I'm on it. And they give it a hell of a try for five or six weeks. And at the end of it, they have lost four pounds and they look the same. Yeah. And they've turned their whole life upside down, going to early gym and, you know, missing this and missing that for training, depriving themselves, doing all this stuff. And in the end, nothing of any real significance happens. Yeah. Because then now, the motivation wanes. Uh, well, that's the end of it. If there's no motivation, if, it, if there's no results, there's no motivation and you quit. And why wouldn't you? Yeah. Right. So it's not a matter of willpower. Oh, you know, you just got, no, no, no. Willpower is a finite mental propellant. And this, you got to be aware of when you're dealing with kids, you've got to get them some results. Now, this is also why it's so important that they log everything. Yeah. Because a five pound gain in the bench press will fire them up. A 10 pound pickup in the deadlift. Uh, Maybe they, you know, somebody says, man, you look, big man you know some little comment that kind of stuff that's the type of stuff you get the client results that refires enthusiasm enthusiasm is what drives the process enthusiasm solar solar power right yes and this is all this willpower is finite willpower is is you you can only clench your fist so long yeah. This is the, Marty, this is the conversation that I had with my daughter. I said, because she's so motivated as a, a trainer, she's, uh, she wants to, to really, uh, you know, make her clients happy and get them results. I said, look, you train with Brad and Phil and all these other guys, you learn these basic lifts, your clients will get results. I said, yeah. you'll never have a problem keeping your clients because they will get results. They will tell their friends, they will come and you will be training them. I said, don't worry about all that other, you know, all this information that's out there, the informational overload, stick with Brad and these guys and do what they do. And those are the things that get results and, and, um, and sprout motivation and passion and all that stuff. And um, you have, you have two, you have two types of personal trainers. You have one type of personal trainer that is fantastic at creating the initial churn, mm-hmm. the buzz. They get them coming right. in the door, man. They rush in and sign up, sign me up for this. This is fantastic. I can't wait. But they have to have the churn because every four weeks, half the people drop out because there's no result. The, right. other t- the other type of personal trainer is what I call the plain vanilla dudes. That's us. And we got no over, we don't over promise and we don't under deliver, right? We, we, we deliver upon what we promise, but it's, an, it's a tough sell because you're telling people you have to embrace discipline struggle. Yeah, yeah. You know, you personally have to fit the part too. There's, there's so many personal trainers out there that aren't passionate about fitness. They might lift kind of haphazardly once in a while, you know, just to, you know, uh, oh my God, drives me crazy. have something to do. 
that's not the person that's going to get you the results. Uh, They might be book smart or whatever on, you know, the heart and everything else you you have to learn about with uh, these certifications. But it's just like I always say with selling fitness equipment, you can go to and buy it from somebody, you know, if you're really trying to learn about and educate yourself about what you really need going to a guy that doesn't even use the stuff himself. And there's tons of that. So that guy doesn't understand how, how it, it, it moves and performs and feels. And the guy can't tell you any of that. He can only tell you the price and that it's made out of 11 gauge steel, yeah. you know? So fitness is just a different animal all the way around. But if, yeah, if you're hiring a personal trainer, definitely have somebody that understands, especially these lifts that we're talking about the core four and the stuff that, has created world champions. You know, there's, there's no disputing that these, these lifts work. Yeah. They're, they've been doing them since what the thirties, forties, whatever. Um, but that's because they work. Don't get caught up in the, the overload informational highway. Right. Uh, Cause it'll just convolute your, your goals and your, and your uh, you know, every, everything there is about getting uh, the results that you seek. Let's uh, let's go back to the training diary there for a second because everybody I train has to keep a diary. They have to write it down. That's right. Uh, even right. when even when I was in college, we didn't have uh, computerized programs. I typed the program up. They had their maxes on the walls, and they had to go get their percentage, do a little work for themselves. You know, be a little responsible, get the percentage, figure out their weight, and then do the do the weight that was required. But with these training diaries, so just for instance, I have, I have a 15-year-old softball girl, tough as nails, kicks ass in there. Um, but the other day, she's squatting, and she's 135-pound squatter deep. And I said, I could tell just during her warm she didn't have that snap coming out of the bottom. You could tell. You know, you've seen a million squats. You can tell. And, you know, she probably had a hard practice the day before or whatever or didn't sleep well. So I could tell she didn't have, you know, 140 145 or even 125 for a double or a triple but she she could do 110 or 115 for a new rep record that's right so i said to her thank you i said to her how many you know what's your best with 115 how many have what's your best set what's your pr yeah and she said five and guess what we did six now it's a successful day i do that now I say to her, now, you, you don't think you progressed today, but did you set a personal record? Yes. Did you set a rep record? Yes. So we're Did she write it down? Yeah, she writes everything. And I say, oh, yeah, because I, you know, I'll be right. What did you do? Dumbbell incline. Okay, we did five last time. Let's get six. You know, you know what? Uh, but let me get a word in here, please. Uh, <laughs> I do this all the time. I do this. Yeah. This is this is coaching. Yeah, it's one thing to create a periodized program where you have every week laid out, but stuff happens. Right. And no periodized program, unless you're Kirk Karwaski or Ed Cohn or Doug Furness, do you go all 12 weeks without missing or messing up or having what we call recast the cycle. Yeah, have a bad day. Yeah. yeah. And so I'll when I, I train. I train people every week and I train normal people. Uh, that's where I learn. I don't, you don't learn a lot from training elites. They're, it's, they're too grooved in by the time you get a hold of them. Yeah. But with, with the normal people, again, a lot of blank canvases. Um, uh, the, the other day, I had a guy who had been, who had been crushing it, uh, working up and around the eight to 10 rep range in the squat, right? Well, he, 
he finally hit the wall and on his warmups, he looked sluggish. There was no way he was gonna say, you know what I said? I said, it's report card day. Let's see what we can do for a snappy single. He went, what? I said, yes. He was like high five. He was so fired up. And I don't know, I think he did, I think he, uh, I think he had rep 265 for 10. Okay. Uh, ass on heels. And he's, but, and again, that's the thing. It's with this technique. It's not his old technique, barely below parallel and each above. No, this is the really deep stuff. So he did a new new uh, PR. Uh, I think it was what 365, 375. He was thrilled. He was ecstatic. Now next week we'll go back to something different. We're done with the tens. He did great in the eight to ten rep. I wanted to try to set a higher rep range because you can work against that, right? Mm. You can work down, work down, work down, work down. So uh, at every bus stop, at every poundage. We have a rep record. I'll ask my guys. I said, "What, I right. say, what, what is your what is your rep record for 165 in the pause bench press five reps?" Right. And they'll they'll look it up. They have their little phones. They'll look it up. Oh, uh, uh, oh, coach, 165 pause. My best is uh, five. Okay. Well, you look on today. Let's try to get six, or let's go to 170 and try to set a new pause PR. Yeah. Uh, your choice either way right and, and a lot of times i'll give my people the choice i'll say look here's the here's the choice for the week that's a great idea we either we either keep going if you're hungry for the poundage let's go but if you're eh, you know if you're a little bit wobbly about it then let's just drop back let's drop back what's your eight rep record in the lift oh let's go back and oh you know and then go back down the hill run up the hill each time it's you go back down the hill, you run up the hill, you plant your flag as high as you can, and then you come back down. It, mm. it, and that's it, that's advanced coaching. That's when you know your people, you're, you know them week to week, and you can see, like you said, Jim, almost like Charlie Francis used to be able to tell his sprinters just how they, if they walk by, if their gait was off. And you'd say, you know, uh, you're walking a little funny today. We're, you know, you're no speed work for you. Go, go hit some moderate stuff. Yeah. And I have that ability, and you have that ability, Jim. And you particularly would have it with your boys if you knew your boys were off. You say, you know what? There's no point in trying for a PR right. in that today for one to three to five reps. Now let's let's back it off, man. You know, it's okay because you have higher rep, lighter weight records. Right, there's always another tool. Yes, so let's set new lower, higher rep records continually, continually, continually. It's the numeric, you have to have the numeric component in resistance training. That's where all the gains lie, right? That's what fires you up because you can find something that you can improve on. It might be the curl this week, you know what I mean? Yep. But that keeps you motivated because you're moving ahead. Look, I progress. Yeah, I had a terrible, I'm, I'm, you never have a time where all your lifts are working strong. Well, if you do, it's very, very rare, right, Jim? Yeah, and that's one of the problems with these uh, flashy programs that promise variety every time. Well, how do you learn the skill of the lift? You know, and how are you going to measure your gains if each time you're doing something different? You know what I mean? If, if you don't do the back squat on consecutive weeks and sometimes you do lunges, sometimes you do step up, sometimes 
You well, know, how do you? You're not doing it enough to develop the skills, so consequently, you don't make the gains that you would if you stuck to some basic stuff. Right, exactly. The game. I was going to say, if you're switching exercises every week, how do you get stronger in the front squat? If you only do it once and then do something else next time and all that, maybe if you're doing back squat and leg press and some other stuff, and then you come back. But I don't know. I agree with that. Uh, being consistent, stick with it for a while. Do a 12 week program or whatever. Um, get that. There, there's that a difference between. Inroad. There's a difference between exercising and training. Right. Right. Exercising is you just walk into the gym and you go, hey, what do I feel like today? Random, random, just to try to get tired. Oh, I, oh, oh I'm going to I'm going to work chest. <laughs> OK, OK, great. And you take an hour and you go through 15 different exercises and that's fantastic. It's Friday. Train. I'm doing yeah. triceps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I because I got a date later. <laughs> so I'm going to work arms. So yeah. uh, training is different. Training, it's pre-planned training. Training, periodization, and pre-planning are all synonymous. I got. I got to tell you, I had a. Uh, I had a shoulder injury a couple of weeks ago, and I was. I had a forced transition into high reps. So we're always talking about contrast, and when you change your workout routine, your training routine, it. You need to make it a lot different, not yep. just a little bit different. That's there has to right. be some big contrast. So I thought, okay. My shoulder's screwed up now. Uh, time for some high reps. So we're going to do probably, I don't know, maybe four to six weeks of real high reps. Just burn it out, uh, you know, mind-muscle connection, all that stuff. So I was kind of forced into that. So I'm doing that now. And then hopefully I can ease back into the heavier weight. But uh, I was doing overhead press. And I love the standing overhead press. And I took it off the rack and I set up for my first rep and I felt something just kind of pop in my shoulder. And I went, Oh no. So I set it back down and then that was it. I don't know what I did, but time for a change. So, yeah, you got to know. up. And if you know, you've been doing yeah. enough that you, that you can figure that out yourself. Yeah, that's all. But that's yeah. a good example of having to change things up, but the journal to get back to the journal, I don't know if a lot of people are doing that. I always have, I'm the old school type. I don't put it on my phone, but I had the little notebook um, that I've been doing since, I don't know, probably the eighties. And uh, I was, after every set, I pull that, that book out and write down the weight and the amount of reps that I did. And then I come back the next week. If I'm doing the same, same lift, I either try to up the weight by five pounds or whatever, or do the same weight and get an extra rep or two with the same weight. So you're always kind of moving forward. And we talk about this all the time, right. but you're showing progress and moving forward. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Kids, 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 kids. Yes, Marty. Let's get back to kids. Kids. Puberty. What? How about some uh, questions let me, let, like let me, let me, can I can I can I talk? Yeah, by all means. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Puberty. Puberty is the ideal time for a young man to start really tying into the weight. There's a combination. There's not much difference between male and female before the onset of puberty, but when puberty arrives, all of a sudden, young young man boy gets testosterone injection. Now you combine that with some serious progressive resistance training and you make gains that last a lifetime. 
that is baked into your DNA. And that's why when you get motivated youngsters and you can get them lifting through that period, it is, man, every week, every week, gains, gains, (laughs) gains, gains, gains. It's a hormonal tsunami and you ride it and you make some serious gains. So uh, I, I think that anybody out there, I think the challenge is, is, is to find the correct techniques, uh, which is a challenge for youngsters. One of the things that we run into continually is there's no standardization of techniques in the, the, the essential lifts. Everybody has their own idea of how this lift or that lift should be done. And that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. We have certain strong opinions that um, have borne well with time and performance. These are the techniques that we use, and these are the techniques that we champion, and these are the techniques that also keep people safe. Uh, So I would advise if any young guys out there listening Pull up Andrew's videos and take a look at what he's doing. It's pretty clear. It's like we had when we had Dorian Yates on a few weeks back, we were talking about blood and guts. And I told him, I said, I considered at the time I read an article for Flex Magazine saying it was the best. It was the best uh, bodybuilding training video ever made. And yeah. it was also the, 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 the bodybuilding video with the fewest words ever said. And it's because you really learn the lift by looking. Somebody can talk to you to your blue in the face as to how to do a power clean or a proper squat, but it's one, it's something else to be able to see a real pro in action doing it the way that it's supposed to be done. Uh, so again, if you if you're out there and you're wondering, hey, you know, I don't know that I really know how to do this lift or that lift, dig into some of our stuff. Um, I know that uh, on our website, Stacy has some some instructional stuff that we did at Don Berry's barn. Uh, we need I've to get that, some of that. Yeah, we need to get that more formalized, Jim. We need to kind of kind of re redo yeah. our exercise technique videos and post them up somewhere because yeah, create uh, a like, library for people. Yeah, because it's uh, it's a nightmare out there in terms of what's being taught. Yeah, Marty, I've posted some of those of uh, you and the guys at Don Berry's. So you can type up, uh, search Marty Gallagher. Um, I think we've got one of the the squat. And I think we've got, uh, I think we've got the deadlift. We got some other things on there. They they turned out pretty good, but look that up. (laughs) Funny because, you know, and it's, if you look at social media and YouTube and all that, there's so many guys out there that are, Man, they're cr- they're bastardizing our lifts, <laughs> you know, our our babies, you know, the high squats and stuff like that, and the saying you deadlift nine hundred when you're using straps on the nine hundred. Well, it's a strap deadlift, uh, but my my kids get so frustrated because they'll be watching. Dad, look at this guy; he's really strong. I'll be like, Yeah, he's high. Didn't walk out the weight. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a joke. Kirk calls it strength entertainment. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, it's uh, irresponsible. Exactly. Irresponsible because you got kids watching it and they're trying to learn this correct form. And oh, that's no, nah, man, I saw this guy do it. Well, he's doing it wrong. Yeah, but he's got a hundred. He's a world you know, champion. And he's got a million followers. I'm like, I don't give a <laughs> what he's got. I don't give a, you know, yeah, uh, he's doing it wrong. And let me tell you why, you know, it's uh, 
I, I, use, the, I use the example. Uh, apparently, uh, Lawrence Taylor could crush a golf ball like 375 yards yeah. Yeah. with the worst form ever seen in a human, right? So, uh, so do we, do we uh, follow Lawrence Taylor's technique as opposed to the perfection of Tiger Woods with his 325-yard drives? Because LT is knocking the ball 50 yards further than, than Tiger. So if we're just going by performance, we should all be following uh, LT. You see how ridiculous that is? That's so ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, he had a reputation not wanting to lift and stuff. I, I have a picture of him cleaning 315 you know, during the workout. <laughs> ah, I loved him. I, I, I always thought that Kirk Karwaski was our version of Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. It's, it, the, the, I sent Jim a video of me golfing. Was that a video or a picture? It was a video. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Worst yeah. form you've ever seen. I got pretty good at the end. I was crushing the ball, but I'll tell you what, it's funny because at, at my peak, at my strongest, I remember going to the driving range one time, you know, I'm 300 pounds and lifting all this weight and I'm hitting the ball pretty good. Once I get warmed up and miss it a few times and, you know, hit, hit foul balls and all that stuff, I, it goes straighter and straighter and further and further by the time I'm done. But I'll never forget this little guy came and, and went to the next spot next to me. He must've been all of 150 pounds, most beautiful form. <laughs> He's just hitting it way further than I am straight as an arrow. And I'm looking like I'm at the batting cage, right? I'm just hacking away at it and, you know, no, no flexibility or anything, but uh, Happy yeah, you're right. Form is everything. And the thing about you guys because anybody that's listening is like, well, this guy said this. I don't know whether to believe that guy or these guys. Mm -hmm. Well, listening to these guys, they've actually done it. Uh, they've trained the, the best in the world. They, they, they currently train the best in the world. Uh, so it's like, who do you listen to? The guys that have done it and are proven or a guy on Instagram that, yeah, it's pretty strong, but you know, really hasn't accomplished anything. So you know, it's your choice, guys, but I'm betting on uh, yeah. Gallagher and Steele. And some of those guys, Marty, uh, I don't know if you know this, JP, you probably do, but they use fake weights. Hey, I love it. That's I need some of those. Yeah, Where can that's I get fantastic. those? And that's like a huge deal. Is he using fake weights or is he, is he using them? Or is he, I mean, it's, I'm like, really, you, as a man, <laughs> You, you hey, actually think it's okay to if the, there's a market for fake the, weights, I'm going to start making them. And the answer is yes, Jim, because <laughs> it's anytime, anytime you mix money up yeah. with strength sport, it's uh, it gets it gets really strange. So uh, yeah, I saw the other day some all-time world record deadlift where uh, the bendy bar, yeah. the straps. The the hitching, 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 hitching up the just up, call it something else. The thigh, the ne and and never locking out, getting about oh the soft knees that makes me soft, soft knees bent forward shoulder, getting the down signal, getting three white lights, world record, greatest lift of all time, and I don't think the guy could do eight hundred. I don't think he has the grip to do eight hundred. Well, one time in one and, and I don't know what they're pulling, 1100, something, something yeah. ridiculous. In one of your articles, uh, a power is needs a jihad, something that was a great article. You wrote how there was a lifter who squatted a thousand something in competition. And yeah. you said, I bet he can't squat 700. 
yeah, legit. It, it no. was, uh, I'll tell you who it was. It was Anthony Clark. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, Steve Goggins thought I was talking about him. I said, I'm oh, not I did talking too. about you, Steve. No, I, no, 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 no. Steve has done plenty of legitimate squats and IPF meets. I haven't, I had no problem with Steve. No, it was Anthony Clark. I never saw the guy do a, a legitimate squat in my life. Yeah. And they start, that's when the whole high squat thing started. It started at Gus Rice, which is Hawaiian Invitational, or it was called the Hawaiian Record Breakers. And if you're called the Hawaiian Record Breakers, you, you, better, better, break break, you better break some damn records, right? Yeah. So the judging got looser and looser and looser and looser. And finally, even Hatfield Fred was kind of a... Anyway, uh, finally, they... The dam broke with Anthony Clark squatted. Oh my God, it must have been six inches high. And they were trumpeting it as, I forget whose all time squat record it broke, but you know. And, and so since then, the corrupted judging has, has become institutionalized. Yeah. Right? It's just not a problem. It's just like, no, even Schwarzenegger's getting out there. Uh, I'm no fan of his, I gotta be, be honest with you. Uh, and he's out there uh, pimping these lifts that he knows this is ridiculous. Yeah. But, but yet there's money involved, right? And that's, the, yeah. the, the, you know, all of a sudden everything's ruined by that. So. Mm -hmm. Hey, I wanted to ask you something about, um, I know you spoke with Andrew's parents, right? Before you started training. Him. No, no, I did not. I spoke to Oh, Andrew. I thought you did. No. Why would you say that? I didn't. I never talked to them. I swear that's in your article. But anyway, so I, when I asked, I told him to get permission from his parents. Okay. And, and make sure that it was okay with them. No, I didn't talk to them. Do you know by talking through from to him, if they had any concerns? I don't about... know. No idea. They, he got permission to go. We went. Okay. Well, what what would be a common concern, you know, for somebody that you have, if you have a con lift? if you have a concern, don't don't lift with me because I, I'm so cautious, You're so wild. <laughs> no, I'm not. I am no, so, I so cautious with 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 right. new trainees because you have to the the techniques that we're introducing to them to are unlike anything they've ever done in their life. Mm -hmm. And so well, you have to be, I mean, we start, we start our squats with goblet squats with little tiny kettlebells and little tiny dumbbells, you know, and, and, and you've yeah. got to progress from there. We don't jump in with back barbell squatting uh, unless they demonstrate that they, you know, that they're, they're, they're capable. Right. No, we're very, very, same thing with the bench. If I have access to dumbbells, I'll start a person off with dumbbell benching. I want to go below the 45 pound bar particularly if I was working with a kid, right? Yep. You, you want to find that lowest strength level where you, where you introduce them to strict techniques and high reps. Well, you know, high reps for us. And the poundages that they use are so insignificant that they really almost can't hurt themselves. Right, Jim? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, when you really start a young, well, like, you know, a young person, uh, and again, you're asking them to assume these, these really extreme techniques, these extreme positions, arched benches, deep squats, but, but, you know, technically perfect deadlifts. Uh, also the deadlift with the, with, without the dropping. 
all these all these things make lightweight lightweights heavier. So when you start to work with the kid, it takes six weeks before they're really even handling even the most modest barbell poundage. Yeah. yeah. And that's how it should be. Yes. Yes. It's gotta be, it's gotta be right. They're delicate They're you know, but if they're handled right every week, they make gains. Right. Jim, let me ask you, you train a lot of kids. So, I mean, and you're meeting, you're, you're training these kids in person. This isn't a virtual thing. Right. Um, so these, you're getting to interact in person with these parents. So what are some of their concerns? First of all, how, how young a kids are you training? They go down to what? Um, well, I've had classes with as young as eight, but they don't really lift. It's a lot of med ball stuff. And yeah, carries. You can do carries with those kind of kids, you know, carry the dumbbells, carry the kettlebells, freehand squats, step ups. But uh, right now I have a 13 year old girl is the youngest. Working with barbells. Yeah, well, she wasn't ready for the until I could get her connecting with her low back and what I wanted posture wise mm-hmm. uh, she stayed with the goblet for like a month yeah, yeah that's and right. then once she got that connection and could realize what I was telling her uh, we moved to the barbell yeah I, I started you know and after the first little while I said ah, let's just try it the barbell and as soon as she couldn't hold that back I said no nah, we're going back to the to the to the kettlebell and uh, now she's ready to go we, we, and real quick, Jim, I don't mean to interrupt, yeah, no, but, but what we're looking for is that, that uh, with, with almost every beginner, the first movement in the squat is they bend forward, which we don't want. We want them to squat down. If you bend forward, if the bar gets in front of the knees during the squat, you have to use your crane as a derrick to put it back into position. So we want to stay upright, which we established on that goblet. What Jim was saying is that even the 45 pound bar was bending her forward, right? Right. So she had to go back to the goblet, get a little bit stronger, and then pick it up, Jim. What happened then? Yeah, and that's when we were ready to 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 go with the uh, with the barbell. But what was interesting is, you know, the first time they walk in, part of their warm up is doing squats. You know, mm-hmm. so you do all your in place warm ups and same same stuff I do, Marty and JP, with the special forces guys, um, and then their last couple warmups are squats and lunges and I'm every, every rep of their squat I'm critiquing with no weight, right? with no weight at all. Um, you know, and do they, and do, they do they know, are you critiquing them out loud or is this, you're just, oh, out check, loud. Check. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah. Right. Out loud. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so big and I know you are too. Feedback, man. I want them to hear it. I want them when they go home hearing my voice saying, Oh, and then they go, Oh yeah, that's what he's talking about or whatever. Um, we, we, we yell out depth in real time. Uh, you, you know, like in the squat, it's like right in real time, yell it out. Okay, high, uh, two inches high, get it, th- you know, whatever. Go ahead, yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, and I'll be, and once I get to know him well enough, I'll be like, that was awful. You, be, <laughs> you know, and, and during the rep, I was like, you know, six more inches, let's go. It's just <laughs> treat it like it's your, like it's uh, the bar, you know what I mean? Because kids start to get, and I said, well, and every time somebody will say, well, why are you saying that? Why do I have to touch my chest when I bench? Why do I, because what happens is as it gets harder, your stroke gets shorter and shorter. Yeah. Same thing with the squat. So yeah. once you know you touched your chest or once you know I say good on your on your depth, that's you, you got to always be there, always be there. And you got to reinforce that constantly. Some of, some of my kids have, have a little elbow touch where they, where they, when they go all the way down, yeah. their right elbow will touch their right knee. And I said, there's your depth finder. 
Oh, on the front squat. On the back squat. The right elbow. What you, your elbows are down, right? Yeah, they're cranking her. Okay. And at the bottom of the squat, Chuck Chuck Miller also used this. His his he his right elbow huh. will touch his right knee. That's his depth find. Oh, I see in the bottom in the yeah the, in the hole, right? It just mm. back and it, if you can't touch your knee with your elbow, you're high. Mm. So anyway, this is a little little point, but uh, yeah, Chuck Chuck does that all the time. Yeah, and the, the parents. Um, you know, I, I go over to the parents first day. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what my, my philosophy is. Here's my thought process. Um, you know, the first couple of days, she, you know, she's not going to leave here, uh, even that tired because we're going to do so much technique work. So she doesn't have to feel like crap when she leaves here. And then she really never does, but, um, need to feel like that, but, you know, just to, to let them know. And the, the good thing is also these days is that, and you, you asked about this, JP, his Andrew's parents could just Google Marty. He just put it, put it in right, and see right away my experience and all that stuff. Um, well, do you still get the, the, the same old, like the old school concerns, like, especially from a, a girl's young girl's parents, like, yeah. Oh, listen, Jimmy Steele, we don't want our daughter getting all huge and manly. And no, you still get that. No. Um, and usually the parents come from an athletic background, the ones yeah. I get. So okay. it's really not that big of a, of a concern. Um, yeah. and, and I don't seek anybody either, Jay, but they seek me. Mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah. that's a good point. And so so we, they know the deal when they're coming. They know. So the point. one parent says, well, you know, he does a lot of this kind of stuff and all that, but her, her bat velocity went up, you know, five miles an hour in, in eight weeks. And then, oh, well, let me try it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, what, um, what? Well, I had a list too of you know concerns that, that parents might have. Yeah, uh, J J J JP, let me let me loop around on that because I was a little yep. short short with you before. Jim made a great point. When people find me, they already know right. who I am and what I'm about, and I don't. I deal with the athlete, not the parent if if the parent is large i don't really want that situation yeah right if the, if the if the parent is expressing well how about this and how about that and how about this and that i'm like hey you know what i it's okay <laughs> you, you, you guys it. just get back in your car and yeah you're, you're at a off. place though where you can do that other people can't do that that are just it's starting to to train or making a career out of this. They don't have that. I, I'm, I'm just no. I'm just saying if the parent seems like a stage mom or yeah. Over, helicopter, over, yeah. What do you call it? Where you're <laughs> overly overly involved, and they kind of yeah. they kind of want to help you coach. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like no. I don't even really want them sitting around observing the training sessions. It, yeah, it right. inhibits it inhibits the kids. It, it prevents the kids from developing my relationship with them. I, I, right now, I'm training a 13 year old boy. He's a son of Barry, who's been with me forever, and he's a good ball player too. And it's uh, it's it's interesting to see the interplay between the three of us because I'm developing a, a relationship with him that's not dependent upon the father and I'm purposely keeping the father out of it. Mm -hmm. All right. How about, what do you, Jim, do you, 
Do you have co Do you allow co-coaching? No. Oh, no, 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 no. No, it's my show or nothing. But, you know, and if I got in that situation, I'd be like, it's all right, man, you got it. You know, you, you if you know this stuff, it's no problem, but you don't need to pay anybody then. You just take her and you do it. But I, I've been fortunate, and I think it's also because, you know, word of mouth where, you know, uh, when I did those classes, then, you know. The now, I think with JP, I think what you're addressing is if a sincere fitness seeker yeah. is looking to find a personal trainer it would be smart to ask certain questions now could you share some of those questions well yeah some of the questions um we've already answered them but i mean um one of the questions was okay how at what age like what is the the limit where you should start to you know, using barbells with these kids. So, you know, Jim kind of answered that a while ago. He's training his kids at nine years old, seven. Did you go back to seven with the barbells, Jim? Well, that's my kid, though. Yeah, so, that's your I, kid. I, I, I don't uh, know that you would train somebody else's kid at that no, age. No, no, we would just do a lot of movement stuff and throwing balls. And all yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So, you know, age is always a concern. And we go, you know, there's because there's the, the old thought where, you know, they might get, they might get hurt. They might stunt their growth. You know, I know that one's been out there for a long time. I, think I don't know. If that I, think there, I think there might be something to that. I, I tell you what, I, I, me and everybody else that started lifting weights when I did, when I was about 14, we all stopped growing at that point. Marty, I think you, you said you did too. I don't know if that was the result. I know that my brother is, was two inches taller than me. I think I could have, I probably would have had another two inches of height if I hadn't done so much spine compression. But I think I'm, well, obviously I'm the better for it. Yeah. Uh, give me the loss of that inch or two right. in return for the gains that I've made. I'm basically indestructible. And yeah. the bulletproof spine. Yeah. 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 And that's why I'm hesitant with putting a lot of weight on Max's back. Something no, like we don't need to do that. Is, is is a more natural movement as long as they stay in that good that good posture. And, and I wouldn't consider training a kid less than 12 or 13. Yeah. I wouldn't know what to do with them other than tell them to get out and play, you know. I told you that one story, man. I, I had this kid, he had to be eight and he was in part of this class. And I was like, listen, you know, I'm gonna show you how to do everything. And then, you know, I think my son was there. I was like, James is going to spot you because I got to watch these other kids, you know? And I said, but if you need anything, just, just ask me for some help. So I'm training these other kids and I hear this, help, help, Coach Steele, help, help, help. And I was like, what is it? What is it, man? And I ran over to him. I thought, oh, shoot, you know, he broke his back or something. He goes, I can't reach the two and a half way up on that rack right there. Can you get it for me? <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, man, I need real help. Yeah. You were like... <laughs> can't reach that two and a half yeah, and then yeah. i said i thought something was wrong with you man and he goes well you said ask for help if i need you right. did you did you that's did. what yeah. you said yeah if you're here's another question um if if we're training prepubescent kids especially boys will will having them uh, resistance train speed up the onset of puberty is there any studies behind that it did for me I don't think there's. I know that for a fact. I got, I, I got, too. I got early puberty there, and it was, it was right in about the time I got real serious about my barbell training. Yeah, 
I, I think there's something there too. Um, I don't know about girls, but I think it does for, for guys for sure. Maybe not a huge, you know, like it won't advance it as much as three years or whatever. But I think it, it speeds it up a little bit. Maybe those um, people that mature faster are better at it. And they, you know, maybe they're going to stop growing anyway. And they're actually pretty good at it. So it coincides with it. Yeah. Now, what age did Brad Gillingham start lifting? Because we could put this to rest right now. At what age? Uh, there's, there's pictures of Brad. I've got pictures of Brad when his father, Gail, was standing in. Brad is standing in front of Gail with a barbell on his back. And Gail is sitting down in front of the Christmas tree with a robe on. <laughs> and so it's Christmas morning. And I guess Brad has got his first barbell set. And Brad is doing the worst squat you've ever seen in your life. He is basically doing a good morning. His shoulders are on top of his knees. His legs are not, are barely parallel. And the father is there with his hands out like, you got more in you. <laughs> and, and Brad is looking up with him with big eyes like, please make this torture stop. <laughs> Do we know how old Brad was there? He couldn't have been more than uh, six or seven. Yeah, he was in oh, those six footy, or seven. Footy oh, yeah, he's a, right. baby. he's a baby. And he's got this little, little barbell set that I guess Pop gave him for Christmas. And father's like, well, all right, all right we're going to do four strep squats. Let's go. I am the tiger, kid. So... He now he grew to be what he's six five, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe it doesn't. Now wait a minute. Um, well, his brother lifts too and does strongman and all that. So it's hard to say what a non-lifting Gillingham their height would have been. Maybe it would have been seven feet tall. Who knows? Yeah, I don't think there's any research shows yeah. much of growth. What else you got? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of the science, man. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, let's see. Um, so performance, you know, some, um, and, and this goes back to, sorry to bring Brad up again too, but his dad was a Green Bay Packer. In fact, he was in the, the number one and number two um, um, Super, Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl. Yeah. So Gail Gillingham is one of the first guys that started lifting weights, uh, being a pro athlete like that. And everybody else, thought, well, it's going to screw up your performance, make you slow and all that. Um, are the, do the parents ever have that worry? Hey, my kid's a pitcher. I don't want him doing too many bench presses or getting too yeah, strong. Well that, you know what? That's a good point because there are still biases with positions. Yeah. Um, the quarterbacks. Okay. With positions. Yeah. Pitchers especially. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. You know, uh, you know the, people can safely overhead press if they're taught correctly. But you right. got one guy who says, oh, I screwed up my shoulder and I couldn't throw anymore. Well, he was doing it wrong. He's freaking doing it wrong, man. You know, yeah. that's, you're, you know, you're the parent. You have to find somebody to teach me. Problem is parents don't know what looks right either. But, um, you know, that that is a concern. I, I had a college kid I was training who who ended up doing really well. But that was one of his concerns right away was bench presses and overhead presses. Mm -hmm. Because he, he had talked to somebody or something who said, Oh man, you don't want to be doing those exercises because you'll get whatever, you know, whatever. Position. No, you don't want to do them if you're going to do them wrong. Right. Just like you said. And there's better options. You know, I don't, I don't, mm -hmm. I'm not wedded to barbell bench press for, for athletes. I would love for athletes just to do dumbbell bench presses. Right. Mm -hmm. 
but you know, how many times have I been in a staff meeting? Oh man, we got to get our benches up. Well, this kid just did the one twenties for 15 reps. Yeah. Anyway, well, you, ain't, you ain't in staff meetings anymore. That's right, brother. Just my own little staff. Me and my <laughs> <dog>. <laughs> yeah. All right. Back to kids. Yeah. Okay. What, okay. Here's one. What about diet now? You know, what type of diet do you guys put these kids on and, you know, is it age appropriate? I mean, how do you approach yeah. this? Well, we don't, we don't buy a bunch of junk food and I did not push Max to do this. He's nine. I did not, I don't want him to do this, but he literally counts his protein every day and wow. gives, me, gives me an update two or, three, <laughs> two or three times a day. And I, you know, and, and I want him to be a kid too. So I'll be like, ah, oh, let's go get some ice cream. Not that just don't <laughs> Just don't. You got him on the keto sticks too? No, he's just and he's like, no, I'm not going to do that on Friday, Dad. Wow. Yeah. So what happened was, you know, uh, they're always like, take pictures of me flexing and all this stuff. So he saw some pictures of him <laughs> of himself, and he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't like the way I look. So he cut yeah. out all the junk food. He cut out all the junk food, which I was. That's great. Um, yeah. But yeah. The, the, I don't. I don't know because there's a certain point where I want him to have fun. I don't want him eating a bunch of candy and stuff, but. If his friends are like, hey, we're going to have a pizza. And he's like, no, I got my, uh, you know, my protein bar in my pocket because I got to get that 100 grams. I've got to train legs tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's better than, I mean, we don't have video games, man. We don't have, we don't do any of that stuff. I do. So oh, I know, well, you're allowed to have it. You know, you're oh, seven years. I, I think a lot of times just like lifting, we, we think too hard about the diet and, um, Yes, it is somewhat scientific, but I mean, you know, I remember talking to Ed Cohn when we had him on here. I said, Ed, did, you know, what did you do for diet and all that? He said, well, basically it boiled down to he did, you know, he ate good, but he just kind of did what he felt. He It wasn't a science experiment for him. He just ate sensibly. He knew he needed protein and all that. I think we get so carried away in the, the macros and all this stuff. It's like... I, some, some of the best uh, athletes in the world don't care about that stuff. And, and look where they're at. Of course, there's genetics and everything behind that. But yeah, I mean, I think milk is huge. I think you got to get them some burgers, like, you know, nothing wrong with pasta and rice and all that. But you got to get them on the milk, you know, milk. Once you get them hooked on the milk, man, that's like a meal every time they drink a glass, you know. It's, yeah. It's so do you guys still drink milk, by oh, the way? I do. I drink uh, raw milk. Uh, listen, I want to spin back to a point there, <clears throat> so much depends yeah. on whether the, let's say the young motivated trainee is overweight or underweight. Right. And right. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd strategize with them. Uh, with, with, in Andrew's case, he, part of the, part of his uh, motivation for contacting me was I'm, I'm skinny. I want, yeah. I want to gain some muscle. I'm like, I'm rubbing my hands. I'm going, okay. Now, how do I handle that? I said, look, <clears throat> let's shoot for a pound a week. You can't, you can't take in a bunch of pizza and ice cream or the weight gain is going to be fat. And they get it. And they're like, so burgers and chicken. Yeah, yeah, burgers and chicken rather than pizza and ice cream. And that's all I have to say. And I believe we're in week nine or 10 and he's put on 10 pounds. Great. Well, I mean, yeah. his, any, every lift has gone up every week. Yeah, and that's the thing, man. You're giving them those lifts, too. And now, you know, you get hungry. Your, your body's yeah. thinking, hey, I'm, I don't need to build this muscle. I need to recover. Give me calories, man. 
Yeah. Marty, how deep did the did the diet instruction go? I mean, were you t- telling them just hey, just, eat every you, two or three hours? No, or? no, 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 no. You you just heard the entire diet instruction. You're just telling them basically what to kind of eat and what to stay away from, and the rest is his. Uh, I, I say that, yeah, because I'm not going to get into if you get into content. Yeah, you're in trouble. Let them fill the content whatever they want, but here's yeah. what we tell them: look. The more you bias your calories right. toward quality right. protein and fiber and quality fat, right? You got to get away from the refined carbs. They got to go. The sweets have got to go, and uh, you got to power up. You need power foods. And and I don't even get that deep with a fourteen year old. I said, hey, let's look to gain. Okay, Andrew, Friday or for week one, Friday. We hadn't even started training. Weigh in on Friday morning. What do you weigh? Oh, uh, whatever. What is 131? Okay, that's your official weight. Every Friday morning is our official weigh-in. Now, each week, you're going to have to start checking it in around Wednesday. Am I over? Am I under? Where am I at in relation with my weight? If you're behind, then you're going to have to eat a little heavier Wednesday, Thursday to make weight if it's up Friday morning. Also, most of my clients want to go backwards. They want to lose weight. So I say, hey, here's the strategy. We're going to look to lose one pound of body weight a week. Now, in order to do that, we're going to have to bias the calories towards power foods, protein, fiber, quality fat. Oh, didn't I just say the same thing? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, gaining or losing. It's just at that point, if it's not protein, if it's not protein, fiber, or fat, it's undigested sugar. Mm. Everything else spikes insulin. So uh, you you sculpt the eating to. No one wants to train to stay the same. Right. Right. They don't want to stay the same. What do you want to do? Do you want to add quality muscle? without an unacceptable amount of body fat, or do you want to reduce body fat without losing an unacceptable amount of muscle? Those are the two generalized directions for everybody, whether you're at 14 or 70. So at that point, then we synchronize. We always try to synchronize some sort of a nutritional component with the strength thing. And a cardio, I tell them, look, man, you got to be out and be active. You can't be a slug. Yeah. okay you can't you got to move man you got to move if you want i said if you want to be ripped if you want to be fat just lay around and you know play donkey kong or whatever you guys do go out and play in the street like we did to the lights oh no 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 no. they get kidnapped (laughs) (laughs) depends on where you live i guess yeah so anyway but that's the kind of common sense and they respond to that yeah. Uh, my my uh, 40-year-old lawyer, uh, you know, uh, doing the identical program as Andrew, he too wanted to add quality muscle. I think he's also in his ninth week, and I think he's picked up eight or nine pounds, and he's like mm-hmm. loving it. And this 40-year-old guy, he's also only spending 70 minutes a week. For him, that's yeah. critical because he has such a, a busy life right Right. it's perfect for him he's yeah and and he said man he said i can't believe the gains i'm getting you know he's he's very fired up well he should be because every week he's increased in every lift 
and he's picked up a bunch of muscle, which is why he engaged my services to begin with. So, but it's the same strategy for everybody. Yeah. What I found with with the female athletes is that they don't eat breakfast. They, you know, they just don't eat. So just get them on some calories for, I'm like, I don't care if it's fruit loops, man, we got to get some calories in you. Um, but I like what Marty said about just giving some guidelines and, and those are, mm-hmm. you know, because then, then you say to them, but it's up to you, you know, I'm leaving this up to you. If you want to reach your goals, this is what you need to do. I'm just telling you. And if, and if you want to, or, or I'll say, now don't waste this workout. You know, don't waste this workout yeah. by eating a bunch of crap. Let's get the good stuff in first. Let's make sure we we do that so that you're not wasting. Yes, 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 yes. Stuff up on the good stuff. Yeah, and then yeah. they don't want all the, you know, the whole bag of Twizzlers. They just have a couple. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and well, you know, I also now you know when you're dealing with an athlete, you could say, you're separating yourself by doing these workouts. Then everybody else you know, then everybody's sitting in their basement right now. But now separate yourself with your diet too. You know, I've told you what to eat. Make sure we're staying on that because it coincides with these great workouts you're having. And we don't have to get dragged down into keto or vegetarian or micronutrients or this or that or the other thing. You handle that. Just give me my pound weight gain or my pound weight loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pass that. I don't need to know. You either do or you but, don't. If, if you don't, then, you know, you got to change something. Jim, I didn't, you made a good point about the girls and uh, that is probably the biggest, is that the biggest problem that you have with them is just getting them to eat because they don't don't want to get fat and all that. Yeah. It's not, and it's not the muscle. It's more like, yeah, I guess it's more like the getting heavy thing, but it's also just like, you don't even think of it. You know, it's really strange, but when, when they do start adding in a protein bar or a granola bar or, you know, um, I, they see that they see the difference in their energy and how they're getting stronger. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to feed the machine, man. You know, you got to give some gas to the, to you the do. engine. Um, now the, now the one who started off just eating these protein bars that I recommended with all natural ingredients and all that. Uh, now she's eating those Kodiak pancakes in the morning. Oh, you know? I like those. Yeah. And so she's getting yeah. the protein with that. She's getting some carbs and totally different inner strength levels, totally different. Oh, like yeah. a new person. Yeah. The Kodiak's got a lot of protein in it too. Yeah, and they have oatmeal and they have all that stuff. It's good. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Marty, real quick, um, we're almost going to wrap it up here, but we talked about a lot of the commonalities between uh, Andrew, the, the way you're training him now and the way you trained back in the 60s. Give us a couple of main differences. What is different uh, oh, between I did, did, did a lot more training. Yeah, a lot more. I was, an Olympic, I was an Olympic lifter, so I did press in addition to doing the squat bench deadlift i also did the uh press snatch clean and jerk plus you got to work arms and you know so and also we were told we had to train three times a week which ah that that we didn't man we would do two to three times a week usually we would we would hit it pretty good uh twice during the week and then uh, well once during the week, really hard. Then on Saturday, we'd get in a car and drive down to Gonzaga High School and lift with the big guys. Yeah. Right. So, and, you know, I would usually do something, you know, in between that. But we trained a lot more. 
but I wanted to be an Olympic weightlifter. So if I didn't want to be an Olympic weightlifter, I could have sliced my training in half yeah. right there. The and also, and the I number, think, yeah. Yeah, and I also think the volume was too much. I think we, I think, uh, I think I did too much, too much training. In hindsight, I, I would have backed me off. But that, I mean, that was the thinking back then. You had to train each muscle every what seventy-two hours, otherwise it would shrink. It would get weak. Yeah, it wasn't more of atrophy. A, a technique thing, though, Maury. You had to. You had oh to yeah, yeah, yeah. Up here, yeah. Oh, I was, yeah. And again, I was a bad, I, I was a poor technician. I was a strong guy with poor technique, so I had to work it. I never developed the the classic Olympic lift technique. I never, I never harnessed my power. And because of that, I mean, that's why I never would have been a, a champion Olympic lifter. No way. I would have, I was a good presser because, you know, you power clean and then you do a, a power movement. But yeah. snatch, snatch and, uh, man, snatch was impossible for me. Yeah. Well, and you competed back then too when you were, what, you started competing in 14? I, I set a national record in the snatch. For my age group, it was, Looked like Lawrence Taylor's golf swing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got it. Well, hey, Paul yeah. has yes. racked a clean in his life. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's the way. I mean, we were just brute. Uh, what is uh, Hendo called? I gooned it up. Yeah. So, so you had that extra level of motivation pushing you because you were competing. And yes, for yes, 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 yes. And, and I think that young guys, uh, there's, I think competing is a wonderful thing. And uh, even, and they, they have so many great high school meets. I mean, they've got inner, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of possibilities for in powerlifting to compete in this day and age. Mm -hmm. Well, what does this kid want to do? Is he training for no, sports? I, I, or just... I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't need to get into that. You, you, <laughs> you follow me? Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? He lives in Colorado. I live here. He's doing the work. I don't need to get into his life. You, okay. You follow, you I just thought him. talked about it. No, no, no. It's, um, uh, it's, I want it to be clinical and arm's length because he's a science experiment. Right. Right. You it's have not, a lot of those. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Plus including in, in, just, including yeah. myself. Yeah. And he's just discovering himself, you know. Exactly. Though. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to be. I don't want to be his guru. I just want to be his advisor. You know. Yeah. But and he's training. Thing, you know, I had a girl I was training, uh, who you could tell right away. Now this girl was in college; she had just started, and I was like, with that big ass and those big legs, man, I could make you into a champion. <laughs> the good thing yeah. she, she was an athlete, so she didn't get freaked out that I said that to her. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, she didn't have the she didn't have it mentally to to do that kind of stuff. But after a few workouts, I was like, man, you want to compete? But that's different. You know, that's more of a college age. And and uh, yeah. you could tell right away, man, that, you know, if she had it or had it or not. Once kids do start competing, they um, they become addicted to it. They want to compete in all the meets. That's a kind of a cool phenomenon, even regardless of how they place it. It's a myth that everybody has to win in order to keep motivated. There's a whole ritualistic thing when a youngster is entering a powerlifting competition it's a much bigger deal to them than it is to us yes right to them that's like the olympics yeah yeah and they get 
their training gets focused, they get concentrated, they get nervous, sometimes they get sick, but when it's over, they all want more. Yeah, it's addictive. Well, it's a great confidence builder too. It's yeah. a great thing to do. Yeah, and, and again, our lifters all go eight for nine, nine for nine, because we're right there with them. We're coaching them through. And, and since we train harder in comp, we train harder in training than in competition. When we get to competition, it's like a walk in the park. We don't have to squat as deep. Uh, we get to rest for hours before we have to deadlift. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just uh, the, the actual competition is, is easy for, for my lifters. Right. Well, I think that's great. I mean, what this boils down to also is you guys are, you know, the the last podcast we did was about mentors. Uh, you guys are mentoring these these young kids. So good for you, getting them started off the right way. Uh, they're going to have a lifetime of performing these exercises right and hopefully staying uninjured. And as okay. they get older, they'll be able to walk and play with the grandkids or whatever. So you guys are doing some great things out there. And and Marty mentioned this in a a few podcasts back, but the feeling that we get when a kid, you know, gets a new squad or gets a new, uh, it's so much different than training somebody already advanced. You go, see, see, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I get more excited than they do. And and they're like, wow, you really take this seriously. And I'm like, "Yeah. yeah, man, we've been putting in this time and, uh, and, and you see the gains or, or when the parent reports back that, you know, the, the bat velocity went up or they threw 10 yards for, you know, something like that. It's just like, hell yeah. Yeah. It's I, so rewarding. I, I watch my older, more experienced lifters, but I coach my younger lifters. Yeah. It's more fun for us actually. Well, I, you know, my older guys, I mean, they're doing it right. I mean, there's not a lot to say because they're, they're drilled on the techniques, but with yeah. the younger guys and the newer guys, it's like, all right, you know, and that's when I get up, walk over to them. And that's when we get into the coaching. But again, it, it's, um, it's extremely gratifying to work with motivated youngsters. Yeah. And, you know, I was saying when, when they're warming up, I'm coaching every rep of the squat with no weight. Well, you guys know Justin Watson, who plays for the Buccaneers. In in three years, I maybe said f- five things. It, most of it was the first year, and then by the senior year, I'd walk by and go, uh, "Move your move your grip out two inches." Yeah, and then I'd walk past him. That's you know, right. because he was so advanced and so motivated, I didn't need to be there for him. Mm-hmm. Hey, when is that kid coming on? We got to get him on. I'll, I'll get in touch. I'll yeah, get, get him on. He just had knee surgery. I'll Bring some you. of his teammates with him too. Let's yeah. see how they're training. Get Brady on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, good deal. I think this was uh, another great podcast here. Thank you, guys. Uh, check out Marty's Thank you. weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. Uh, this week, you'll find his latest Nothing New Under the Sun article. It's on our website now. And um, also, we, we also posted another uh, article of his. It's called Psych Enhancement evolution for weightlifting um we talk about psych once in a while and what's interesting about marty is he was he's like a pioneer of uh, of resistance training power training power lifting whatever term you want to use but he saw all this 
evolve. So one interesting thing that, that comes from him is the psych stories and oh how that God. started. Now I remember the article. Okay. And evolved, you know, it started with <laughs> slapping and, you yeah. know, the way it ended up was just downright violence and people almost getting killed <laughs> by psyching boards, two by fours. Oh, and I have a board, get the board. He so, needs the board. <laughs> So go look for a psych enhancement evolution for weightlifting. And I thought a picture of the three stooges was perfect. <laughs> That's, for this great. That's great. <laughs> That's Curly's great. Curly's getting, I mean, uh, Larry's oh. getting his hair pulled out. And oh, so that's perfect. Oh, um, when um, Doug Borden's <laughs> training partner knocked him out. <laughs> to nationals. <laughs> That kind of defeats the whole purpose, oh, right? I know. You gotta be and awake. Then he looked up and he said, "No, no, he'll have to pass this attempt." <laughs> That's great. Uh, make sure to visit uh, Marty on Instagram at the Marty Gallagher, and then Stacy Gallagher's website is functional-strength.org. Uh, if you're in the market for uh, commercial gym equipment, residential, garage gym. JP, we have. A, I just want to mention real quick. We have a bunch yeah. of instructional videos on the uh, functionalstrength.org website okay. also. So if you're looking for for uh, technical uh, cues, okay, and that's functional hyphen a little dash strength.org. So don't forget the hyphen, otherwise you end up somewhere else. Thank you. Um, probably Jim Steele's website or something. <laughs> that domain. Um, so like I was saying, if, if you're looking for gym equipment, I'm talking about anything, free weights, uh, power racks, rubber flooring mats, bumper plates, anything, go to ironcompany.com. Uh, we'll definitely help you with that. And how is business generally? It's good. It's good, uh, good, good, strong. We're very busy. Well, this is our busy time with the military. We're a GSA contractor. So um, this is, we're in August. So use it or lose it, September is, is right around the corner. And that's the end of the fiscal spending year for all our, our military folks all over the world. So we help them with their fitness equipment purchases and ship it to embassies and bases all over the world. So there's always something to do, especially this time of year. Um, new Jim Steel articles can be found in our article section at Iron Company and the one we've got up now is Mentors and Influencers, which is what our last week's podcast was based off of and kind of what we talked about a little bit today. Yeah. So that's a good one. Check that one out. The, you know, the, uh, the psych thing reminded me of in that article I wrote. So I, I played uh, junior college with my buddy, Chris. He went to Springbrook, Marty, Springbrook. Kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was amazingly strong in, in junior college. I mean, he squatted 6'10", deep. He deadlifted over six and benched, I think it was 435, something. Like. I mean, he was crazy strong. And he trained at Gold's Wheaton also until I got him to the basement. But he used to use his psych technique. We were in a gym, and, he would, and he'd be getting ready to bench, man. And he'd go, Jim, you see that guy at the front desk, man? And I'd be like, yeah. He'd be like, he's talking about me, man. He's talking about me. He's saying I'm weak, man. He's saying I'm weak. And I'd be like, what? The first time I was like, what, dude? I, I don't. And then I eventually, I really, I'm like, yeah. You got it. Yeah, yeah. Kick his ass, man. Yeah, yeah. Kiss, and then he'd get down there and he'd be like, yeah. He'd be, shaking, he'd be shaking, turning red, you know, and then he'd get his set. It was awesome. 
That guy's talking about me, man. Oh, man. I forgot. Uh, I, I forgot. I like it. I never used that one, but uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to try that J next JP, time. JP, 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 I forgot one psych story. Real quick. All right. Go ahead. Hurry it up. Really man. quick. I know, man. I know. I know, but it's so good. At the new chalets, after they moved out of, over the order parts, I walked in and it was a dark gym. It was a very dark, dark gym. So I walked in and Mark looks at me and he goes, he's going crazy. He's going crazy. I said, what's going on? He motions back in the back. Kirk is sitting in the dark room on a folding chair. Got the headphones on. He's listening to music. You know what I'm going to say? He's got a hundred pound plate in his lap and he's stroking it. Yeah. He's getting ready to squat and he would stay there in the darkened room stroking the hundred for whatever, 20, 30 minutes until he felt ready to come out. And, and he'd walk out with that hundred like he was, you know, carrying his lunch and um, get on with it. But, right? but he was talking to the plate. He was saying stuff to it like couldn't quite you didn't want to kind of hang around and you know i mean just kind of poke your head in there and look a little bit you know right go, okay there's some voodoo stuff going on <laughs> hey man when you're when you're going to be a world champion you got to be different yes you know? all right well i'll leave it on that high note that's a good one all right and then uh then go to uh jim Steele's website boss barbell that's b-a-s barbell.com for all kinds of stuff, newsletters, articles, opinions, all kinds of stuff. Yep. All right, boys. Thank you very much. Great one. Thank all you, right. JP. See you. Bye.